Welcome to the Refuge Podcast from Trinity United Methodist Church in Ruston, Louisiana. Our prayer is that God uses this time to speak specifically to you, regardless of where you are on your faith journey. We'd like to also invite you to worship with us every Sunday morning at 1045, either in person or online at www.trinityruston.org. Thanks for listening. The lesson this morning comes from the first chapter of the book of the Revelation, starting in the fourth verse and going down through the sixth verse. John, to the seven churches that are in Asia, grace to you and peace from him who was, who is, and who is to come, and from the seven spirits who are before his throne, and from Jesus Christ, the faithful witness, the firstborn of the dead, and the ruler of the kings of the earth, to him who loved us and freed us from our sins by his blood and made us to be a kingdom, priests serving as God and Father. To him be glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. Friends, this is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Amen. So in December of 1989, I was promoted from definite bachelor forever to husband. Yes, and not only did I marry Miss Tamara, Tamara came with two children, a parakeet, a cat, and an aquarium. I got it all just immediately. There was no breaking in period, by the way. There was no orientation. It's dive in there and figure it out. And the first year was, ah, it was interesting. I remember my first Christmas, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle blimp. Do you know how many parts are in a Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle blimp? And I found out it's a lie when the box says, some assembly required. It's a lot of assembly. But we survived that. We survived our first Easter and we arrived in the summer of 1990 to our first vacation Bible school. And every parent in here knows why God created vacation Bible school, free child care the whole summer if the churches will cooperate. The first church in Arcadia to do vacation Bible school was First Baptist Church. And we sent the Methodist kids faithfully to First Baptist Church. Allison and Andrew were right there in amongst them. And every day we would pick Allison and Andrew up. What did you learn? And they would tell us a Bible story or they would share some craft they had made. It was really cool. They were having a great time. And on Thursday, they got in the van. What did you learn? And Allison said, guess what? What, Allison? Today we got to go into the sanctuary. Oh, that's cool. What happened? Well, we sang a couple of songs, and then Brother Mark Strickland came in, and he told us that Jesus loved us, and he said, if you love Jesus back, I want you to raise your hand. And we raised our hands. And then what happened? Then Brother Mark said, everybody that raised your hand, come down to the altar, and we'll pray with you. So I went down to the altar, Doug, And Nicole Cleveland went down to the altar. And Brad Bond went down to the altar. Three Methodist kids all going to the altar call. This is a good thing. And we told everybody how much we love Jesus. And I said, and then what happened, Allison? Well, then they set us on the front row. 
Yes. And then what happened? And one of the deacons gave us a card. Yes. It asked us our name and address and phone number. And then it asked us, do we love Jesus? And I checked, yes, I love Jesus. Allison, do you know what you just did? What? You just joined the Baptist church. (laughs) And I'm going to have to tell the bishop that the Baptist church got the Methodist preacher's kid to join the church. Allison, it's terrible. I'm going to have to beat up Mark Strickland this afternoon to get your church membership back. They'll probably send me to a Methodist church 150 miles out in the Gulf of Mexico. This is a terrible thing that has happened. And I was pushing it way too much. And by the time we got home, she was kind of eyes puffy and you could see a tear. And she said, but I didn't know what I was doing. Out of the mouth of babes comes a prophetic word. Oh God, forgive us clergy and forgive us laity. When we do something to or in the name of or behalf of the church that shows we don't know what we were doing, And for God's sake, forgive us our inadvertent hurt of others in the name of the church. In the 17th chapter chapter of John's gospel, Jesus prays the high priestly prayer over his apostles right before he dies. It's a high priestly prayer that if you're ever frustrated that it seems as though God is not answering your prayers, Jesus prayed to God in the 17th chapter of John's gospel and God still hasn't answered completely Jesus' prayer because Jesus prays for his disciples and he prays for what would become the church that we would be one just as he and the Father are one. I sometimes wonder if we haven't broken and continue to break God's heart. That if he doesn't, that he doesn't weep over us as, you know, the Baptists tell us our baptism doesn't count and the Presbyterians and the Episcopalians and the Lutherans have all fractured over human sexuality and the Roman Catholics are always in the news, it seems, for their failures and misdeeds. If that just doesn't break God's heart because of what we have done to his church, But then I wonder, maybe our division and our fractured churches don't make God smile. You know, it's clear Christians don't have their acts together. 
But God exploits our inability. He turns our shattered unity into this curious collection of broken windows where broken people can find different ways to climb into the kingdom of God. The Baptists do know the centrality of the Bible. The Quakers embrace silence. The Roman Catholics claim a rich tradition of worship and faith, and they've taught us that you need saints. The non-denominational denominations have been creative in reaching people weary of churchiness. The Mennonites are humbled. The Presbyterians use their brains, and the AME Zions can outsing us all. And we Methodists who are so stuffily fixed to our seats might need a little liberation from the Pentecostals so we too can show a little emotion and move around. Evangelicals want people to know Jesus Christ and progressives would rather feed you and give you medicine. But our faith in Christ can see beyond divisions and differences. We really are one holy Catholic church. Why don't we say that? We're Methodist. Matter of fact, if you sneak in the sanctuary, sneak in quietly. If you sneak in the sanctuary and you unfold a United Methodist hymnal to the Apostles' Creed, you get to this line, Holy Catholic Church. And the word Catholic has two asterisks by it. Not just one, it has two. That the word Catholic means universal. It's lowercase. We believe in one holy, universal church. But do we? What does that mean? One holy, Catholic church. The New Testament uses two major images for the church. The first image is the church as the bride of Christ that's introduced to us in the book of the Revelation. History is pictured as coming to a conclusion and there is the bride, the church adorned for the bridegroom Christ. And Christ awaits his church so that the marriage can take place, the marriage feast of the Lamb. And I sometimes wonder about the, ch- the bride, the church. Is she there in, in white flowing gowns? Does she have a black eye? Is there a tear in the gown where she's been wrestling? Because all of our fractured nature, our infighting with one another, our fighting with the world, our just ability to have an argument has created fractions and factions within the church. And I sometimes wonder, are we presenting a holy bride to Christ? Paul describes it this way in the book of Ephesians. Husbands, love your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her in order to make her holy by cleansing her with the washing of water by the word so as to present the church to himself in splendor 
without spot or wrinkle or anything of that kind. Yes, so that she may be holy and without blemish. You and I are to live that scriptural holiness. You and I are to let the Holy Spirit so fill us that we achieve entire sanctification. You and I are the bride of Christ and the bridegroom's awaiting us. The psychiatrist and author, Dr. M. Scott Peck, said there are two reasons to get married. The first reason is for procreation, to have children. The second reason to get married is friction. Friction. Sparks. Heat. Rubbing together. Smoke? I thought that's a silly way to say it. But he says that what happens is that when friction occurs, things are polished. And then in a relationship, a monolithic relationship that is not going to move, that is not going to change, needs friction to to hew away the rough edges, to, to smooth things out. And in a marital relationship, the couple needs friction to polish each other, to change each other, to let each other reflect the other one. And in Christian theology, you and I need friction so that our rough edges can be smoothed out and we can see in each other the reflection of Jesus Christ and people can see in us the reflection of Jesus Christ. So now some of our fights and some of our squabbles and some of our our intramural conflicts make sense if we are honing ourselves so that others can see the image of Christ in us. You don't look like you believe me. Back in the day, before Karate Kid... Some of us used to wax our cars. Wax on, wax off, wax on, wax off. And the car looked glorious. You could see yourself in it. And some of us are so old, we remember rubbing and polishing compound. Rubbing and polishing compound were what you did to a car before you waxed it. It was like wax with grit in it. Who in the world's going to wax their car with grit in it? That will scratch the paint. No, it won't. It removes the layer of oxidation. You can still buy it at Walmart. Go get a tub of it and rub it between your fingers to feel the grit it created a friction that took the layer of oxidation off so then you could wax on, wax off. And you could look at your car finish and you could see your glorious and wonderful teenage face. Yes, there it was. Friction. God uses our spiritual friction 
God uses the friction of the marriage feast of the Lamb. God uses the friction of us preparing to be the bride of Christ to hone us so that people see in us only Jesus Christ. And all else falls, is burned away, heated away, washed away, or rubbed away. We are, according to the New Testament, the bride of Christ. The church is also the body of Christ. You know, this just flies in the face of American individualism. The New Testament knows of, yes, an individual personal faith in Jesus Christ, but the New Testament talks just as much about a corporate faith in Christ, that you and I are saved to become part of the body of Christ. You and I are saved to become community. You and I belong together. As a matter of fact, the book of Acts says that they were so filled with the Holy Spirit that those early disciples ceased owning personal property and they held everything in common and they shared for the common good. Paul said you're part of the body. Not everybody's the eyeball. There's some knee joints in there. Some people have to be the ACL and you're always getting torn. Some people are the feet. Some people are the hands. Some are the eyes and the ears. But Paul said we all need each other that we can't function fully without each other. People say things to preachers we know are not true. And we know that they don't really believe what they're saying to us. We just haven't found a gentle way to call bovine scatology on what they're saying to us. And my favorite one is, I can love Jesus, I don't need the church. I can have church, Brother Doug, I can have church on the fifth green. Yeah, I see you praying over that par putt. Oh God, manifest your spirit and help me lie, help me sink this 12-footer. <laughs> I've called upon the name of the Lord in the sand trap. I've hit the ball into a water hazard and called Jesus' name. But that's not part of being the body of Christ. Oh, Brother Doug, Brother Doug, I can worship, I can worship. From the bow of my bass boat. Ha <laughs> Only after you've caught a lot of fish. Because I've heard you fisher people when you're not catching fish. And you are not calling on the name of the Lord. You may be taking his name in vain, but you are not calling upon the name of the Lord. And so when I hear that, Brother Doug, I can be a Christian without the church. My answer is, no, you can't. It is impossible to be a Christian without the church. 
It's like cutting off your pinky finger. Your body can live without your pinky finger, but your pinky finger cannot live without your body. You got it? This is good stuff. Methodists are getting quiet. There was a preacher who went to visit a fellow. It was a winter afternoon, and they were sitting there in front of the fireplace and just having a good old conversation, and this church member church member said to the preacher, oh, preacher, I don't need the church. I don't need to be there every Sunday. I can be a Christian without the church. I can be just a Christian in my deer stand as a can singing in the choir loft. And the preacher didn't argue with him. But the preacher went to the fire, got the fireplace tongs, and pulled out a red-hot ember and just sat it there on the hearth. Put the tongs back up, walked, sat back down in his chair, didn't say a word. And they watched as that red-hot ember turned gray and then white and just became ash. The man said to the preacher, I got your message, brother. I'll be there Sunday. We can't function without other members of the body of Christ. Now, I'll concede to you, sometimes that happens in small groups. Sometimes that happens in Sunday school classes. Sometimes it actually happens in church worship. But we, as members of the body of Christ, need other members of the body in Christ. We need to be in community. We need to be with each other. There is no such thing as an individualistic faith. You make a personal commitment to Christ, but your faith life is lived out corporately. The church is the bride of Christ. The church is the body of Christ. The church needs to be living the great commandment and the great commission. We need to love the Lord our God with all of our heart, all of our soul, with all of our mind and all of our strength and our neighbors ourselves. And we need to go into the world and make disciples for Jesus Christ. I unfortunately am a child of the 70s. Yes, I had a leisure suit. It was powder blue. I'm embarrassed. Yes, disco music was what we danced to. And yes, we ate a bunch of stuff you would not believe we ate. We watched a television show called MASH. And some people are rediscovering MASH as though it were brand new. Mobile Surgical Army, Mobile Army Surgical Hospital, thank you. 
And we watched the exploits of the 4077th MASH. MASH units were created at the end of World War II and during the Korean conflict. It was determined that in order to save a a soldier, an injured soldier's life, if the hospital was as close to the front as it could possibly be, the soldier would have the best chance for success and the best chance for healing. I think as we're living out our New Testament truth as the bride of Christ and the body of Christ, we need to live it out with a mash mentality that we, the church, need to be where people are hurting, that we need to be as close to the least, the last, and the lost as we can possibly be so that we can be there and show them and share with them and love them into a relationship with Jesus Christ. Because, friends, the days of people coming to church are over. The days of the church going to people and being the church out in the world, that day is at its zenith. So while we are the body of Christ and the bride of Christ, let's develop a mash modality and take the good news of Jesus Christ to our world and tell folks you're loved, you're forgiven. And we have a place where you can be in community with people who will love you and accept you just as Christ loves you and accepts you just the way you are. Would you stand and pray with me? Oh God, help us to be the church for your world. Help us to be the polished mirror that reflects to our world Jesus Christ and his love and his grace. Fill us with your Holy Spirit so we could be faithful to that task. We pray in his name. Amen. Thanks for listening to The Refuge Podcast. To find out more about The Refuge and Trinity, visit us online at www.trinityruston.org.